The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we review the first few episodes and get this week in the market. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4 fucking percent. Buy the fucking dip. Hey, who told me about Idex? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out life's this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. Pennies. The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity at Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. And today's episode of Pennies Going In Raw is brought to you by Benzinga. Benzinga is our absolute favorite resource to use to trade with. We use it for charts and news and scanners. Look, guys, we use it for everything except for buying and selling stocks. I mean, that's all there is to it. And if you're not using Benzinga Pro, which you can get for two weeks free at pro.benzinga.com. That's pro.benzinga.com. You should at least be checking out their YouTube channel every single day, youtube.com forward slash Benzinga. They have Hot Stocks Luke and a just plethora of fantastic guests from me and Hugh to Mia Khalifa to Ripster to CEOs of companies to CEOs of Weeble. They have it all, guys. Make sure you check it out. That's youtube.com forward slash Benzinga. Welcome back to another Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, April the 12th, I think. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The we're recording this on Ah uh, shit. It's the eleventh. Okay. So it's the it's the eleventh. We're recording this on Thursday, so we don't exactly know how Friday's market was. But given the past week, right now SPY's at 408, 409. We're seeing a decent, steady rise in the market day by day, every single day. You're seeing switches get flipped. Clove hit $9.20 today. Zach Morris got revived. Fubo even got news. But what do you think is going, like, what do you think about all this market hype going on right now? Yeah, so we'll take it, we'll take it one step at a time. Uh, I thought that, personally, I thought that the market would go parabolic after 400. And, I mean, we're seeing some pretty good action. But what, I'm, what I wasn't expecting and, uh, and what we are seeing is that SPY's volume is, is kind of staggering a little bit. And what I mean by that is that today it did 56% of the relative 
average over the last like four weeks. So that's kind of like a telltale sign. And then I'm kind of looking at it. And even the past three days, uh, you know, the market's just not hitting, you know, let's call it like a hundred million uh, volume. Uh, today was 56 million. Yesterday was, uh, un- yesterday was under 50 million. So I think that that tells me a few things is that although, you know, we're seeing pretty good run, it's on low volume, which can mean one of two things. One, it wouldn't take much for not a rug pull. I don't want to say a rug pull, but, uh, but you know, it wouldn't take much for a, for a pullback to, you know, let's call it like 400. Or it could mean that if volume starts coming in, I mean, we could really rip. So another thing that I kind of thought was interesting is I saw something today about the amount of money from stimulus uh, not going into the stock market this time. Last time, obviously, there was no one had anything to do. There's nothing to spend your money on unless it was online, but you couldn't go out. Uh, I think the report showed American Airlines and Delta and all the all the airplane websites and traveling websites had the highest volume they've had in the past year after the stimulus check. So it seems like people are putting their money back into the real economy instead of just the stock market this time. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really fantastic thing for the overall strength of the economy because obviously the government can't keep buying trillions of dollars forever, um, you know, billions of dollars a month. That just can't stay up. So it's good that we're seeing that, but also it's kind of like a word of caution because as we see the economy um, lift itself up from consumer spending and you know just opening back up and strength, this can also be a bad thing because when the Fed came out on, I believe it was Wednesday or Tuesday, and they said that they would consider raising rates in between meetings. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, usually they announce raise rates at the Fed meeting. So, you know, they usually like like every Thursday, you know, you'll see them on like Thursdays. Powell will come out and talk about the state of the economy, things of that nature. So now we would see a dip going into this meeting because everyone, you know, is waiting for the day that they announce interest rates raise. Uh, but now that they're saying that they could possibly raise them before in, in between meetings, that that's a little not worrisome, but that just means that we could come out with a headline that they're raising rates. And, and obviously, you know, money is stupid cheap to borrow right now. And rates are part of what really kept the market inside this V-shape recovery and just parabolic rip into all-time highs. So that it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I know we talked about it last week. Uh, it seems... Sectors are kind of tough to identify. Whenever China education is the sector that's running, it seems like that is not good news for everyone else. Yeah, Kind of like how Bitcoin sympathies used to be kind of that way. If people are just playing Bitcoin sympathies or China EDU stocks, it seems like the market's kind of dying out. Crazy market, eyes is a sympathy to ears, and 420's coming up. Yeah. You know... Does weed run coming up in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I don't think it's it's a terrible thing to to have a few weeds. Um, you know, just have a little bit of everything because it doesn't mean that every weed will run. You know, it's it's totally possible for Tilray to come out with a uh, 
press release saying that uh, that they're doing something special for 420 and that rips 30%. So if you kind of get in low and, and just have like a small share position of all of them, this kind of goes back to what we talked about the sectors is that you don't need them all to run. But as long as you have a little bit in each before they really start getting bid up into the 420, then when they do rip 20, 30%, you're there. You're there. You're not chasing. You're, you already are there. Do you think 420 spy still happens by 420? Um, so that's, so that's going to be really interesting. The volume is, is, the low volume is really interesting to me because I'm leaning towards a small pullback. We're, we're taping this on a Thursday. So I'm thinking maybe tomorrow, Friday, that, um, that we see a small pullback. Nothing, nothing insane. But this small volume in, you know, everyone being super bullish kind of has me thinking that we could see a pullback back to that 400. Okay, well, kind of moving on from the current market, but also continuing with the current market. We have, I really hope, improved a lot since we first started this podcast late July, early August. We had some things we used to talk about in the first four episodes. Consolidation volume, personality of stocks, and mentality. Like I said, I think we've gotten a little better since then. So I think it's a good time to kind of retouch on each of those and also explain how the market that we're seeing currently and how they apply in them. So I guess starting, we talk about all the time, we talk about consolidation. And I think, you know, there's so many different types of consolidation because i mean it could be soaking it could be a cup and handle forming there's so many different types of consolidation that can mean so many different things can you give any examples or or thoughts on consolidation in today's market yeah definitely so when i think about consolidation in this market what i'm thinking about is things that have just been beat down to a bloody pulp and they created that low. Um, if you guys know, the first real like flush is usually the lowest point. Okay. Sometimes it comes up a little bit and goes lower, but when there's no real fundamental flush, and let's just say that there's like a huge buy uh, seller on it. So if we take, for instance, everyone knows about the whole Chinese education Baidu massacre. Baidu's lowest point was on that selling day. And since then, it, it's been it's been a fairly good rally back. So what I mean by that is that Baidu, there was so much selling pressure. But once that selling pressure was evaporated and exhausted, you know, there was no fundamental change. It was just so much selling that that was the lowest point. And then buyers stepped in. And now we're seeing this gradual raise back up on Baidu. And I'm not saying that we won't see another low if, you know, bad news comes out. But that's something to really keep an eye on is where that first breakthrough was and the lowest point that kind of use that as your support. And that's where I would really like to take a position. So when I think about things like, you know, let's call it like Baidu or ODT, for example, okay, ODT is inside a huge consolidation zone on the 20 day chart. And what I want to see by this is that I want to see it hold above three, but kind of stay inside that range. So when we look at charts on the farther out, time frame like the 180 day, one hour, one day, one year, 
you know, we're looking for these long, massive strands on those bigger timeframes of consolidation. I think that right now with the small caps that got hit so hard that, you know, we're seeing beautiful consolidation at the lows. Now, we talked about it, I believe it was mid-January, that to be careful when algos turned off. And this was a rude awakening for everyone, myself included. And now I think that we are in a fantastic position for all small caps, really, for when algos do come back on, which I kind of expect that they will rather soon, maybe within the next two weeks to a month, that we start seeing you know some pretty big breakouts. But like I said, that being said, is that consolidation on a larger time frame obviously takes time to set up. It doesn't just happen over like three hours or even three days or even three weeks. You know, we want to see it over at least like a month, two month, honestly, three month, because then it's like, okay, you saw the dip. Okay. It never went lower than that first point kind of consolidated here. And then when it starts to crawl back up, that's when, you know, there's no volume in between those gaps. And that's when algos turn back on and this thing gets news. That's when you see those rips back up. And, and that's really where consolidation, you know, we talk about the cycles of the penny market and the market in general. And that's, that's one of the cycles is that, you know, you see the, you see the small caps get obliterated, consolidate for two to three months, and then algos turn back on, news comes and it's like, doom, doom, you know, and we're getting these huge runners. What do you, so this may be kind of off topic for that, but it, it kind of sparked a little idea. What do you think about yep. the sector forming of low float runners? Does that seem kind of sketchy, kind of market manipulation-ish? Because a lot of these, I think, run because someone says, hey, this is another low float. Low floats are running. And then it just runs too off of nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, we saw, what was it, BTX? yesterday or two days ago, run, I mean, 150% on nothing. And so me personally, I hate over-the-counters and I hate low floats. Um, I mean, I know some traders who all they do is, is that they have 30 or 40 low floats that they love. They just take a, like 3% of their account, throw it in like their 20 favorite low floats, and then day trade with the 40%. And you know that's what they do. And they just wait for, for this low float to run because when they run, they go stupid. Good risk reward if you're looking at the chart. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, hey, listen, you know, for those traders, that is a skill and that is not my game. In fact, I, I hate halt. It makes me sweat even just thinking about it. But definitely, you know, low floats, low floats are running right now, which that's kind of like, like to me, that's like, okay, low floats are running. So this is like the end of the line before we get real runners with like, real news and real algorithms and not just, hey, this company is worth 20 million, you know, boom, you know, 150%. And then, you know, next day it's down again. So one more thing on consolidation before we move on. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to hear about this. Um, so is my Roth. <laughs> Clove consolidated around 750 for around two weeks, three weeks after the SPAC downtrend. Yeah. All of them hit the single digits. Everyone knew they were dead. But is this signaling a reversal in all of them? Why Why did that one run? I'll be honest. I, I didn't look into it that much because I was like, ah, oh, fuck Clove, you know? 
But yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I had calls go 1500% today that were worthless going into it. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, diamond hand down. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it seems like Clove went on a big bid and a Chamath tweet. And so sometimes, mm. you know, that's all it takes. When something has, for instance, you know, something has 30 or 40% of the float short, it doesn't take much for it to rip. And I think that's part of the other part of consolidation is that when the small caps are getting obliterated, shorts really get comfortable. Like even, even myself, when I'm shorting something, you know, I get really comfortable and I just keep adding and adding and adding until it fails. And, and, and that's been working in this market. But if we remember KODK or Kodak from last year, you know, I mean, that had shorts galore and that came out with a little bit of good news and the stock ripped. And I mean, I saw some of the best traders that I know uh, lose millions, like millions. So that being said, I think that that this could be the start. Now, again, until I start to see 1,000, 2,000% runner really ignite algorithms again, um, and really ignite the market, the the small cap market. You know, it's definitely good to be cautious. But for something like Clove, I think that Clove really needs to work out this short report. Yeah, I feel like all the news coming out about Clove every time I see it is just lawsuit, lawsuit, lawsuit. Yeah, and that's kind of what happens with this because you know you kind of have like ambulance chasers, but for stocks, you know, so all you need is one short report. And, and the short report to be, you know, questionable, you know, the market doesn't react on facts. The market reacts on fear and headlines. Poss- yeah. And headlines. So really for me personally, uh, for Clove, okay. I don't want Clove to rush in and be, you know, uh, offense, 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 you know, against the short report. I really want them to take their time and prove that they aren't a bullshit company. Now, if they are, then they're just going to slow play this until they go bankrupt or the SEC or an investigation, something like that. I would love to see them back up their statements in a fundamental standpoint. So what I mean by that is that I want to see someone come out and say, I bought more, you know, like an executive. I bought a good amount of clove with my compensation. That says a lot about the company. I remember you just saying, because Chamath sold SPCE, and I I wasn't too sure about it all at that time, but whenever you said Chamath sold his SPCE shares, which is his SPAC, correct? Or he owns part of it. Yeah. Does he really think this thing is going to make it off the ground or maybe, or just as fast as possible. And, and that really made me think, and that was always a long-term hold of mine. And I thought, you know, I'm up on it and I'll, I'll take that advice. I'll heed that warning. It seems smart. And yeah, you know, you're seeing it now. No, exactly. And so I think that this could be something, you know, it was great to see Clove. And I mean, it closed. uh, I mean, it's up after hours, you know, on, on Thursday, today, Thursday, the 8th. And it's good to see, you know, some real movement. It's good to see movement um, and movement that's holding, you know, this thing could easily now that now that this is up after hours and this is holding and it wasn't up and then right back down. Yeah, it's not it's not like UWMC whenever it just ran off as a rocket sympathy. Mm -hmm. So this is something where, you know, you know, shorts might have doubled up, you know, like I said, is that this is a shorts controlled market. So as I said, you know, shorts just get bigger and bigger in this market because that's what's been working. So they could easily have just gotten bigger and thought of this as a repositioning of their short of their clove short. So then it goes comes into the fact that, okay, if we end tomorrow green, now oh, shorts shit. are like, yeah. Oh, could be a bigger squeeze. 
a huge squeeze because I think it was like 32% of the float was short or something. So if more shorts packed in today because they were like, oh, this is a chance to reposition and we close and we hold up here. Oh yeah, there's a chance that that this sees a, a short squeeze. Unless if Friday or Monday it dumps, then you know, shorts, then you continue to keep doing your strategy of getting bigger and bigger. And that's how I, that's how I'm thinking right now. Well, I guess kind of like obviously volume uh, and consolidation are super similar. Uh, you just mentioned with spy not having as much volume kind of moving up. What are you kind of what are you kind of using volume for in today's market as opposed to what we were kind of using it for six months ago? Because you got to think like right now, I mean, judging plays on volume is about all there is. And even if there is a lot of volume, it can still drop a ton just because of it's a pop and drop yeah. market. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about this. Um, for instance, SFET today ran on some pretty good news and it had its highest volume day. I think in the last year, and the stock finished up 17%. If you were to, if we would have said this back in January, the stock, I, I almost guarantee the stock would be like 200%. Yup, exactly. And this could have been a multi day runner, but that's just the type of market that we're in. Or even Vissel. Vissel got news today that they're signing a, uh, a multi year, multi million dollar agreement. And the stock finished up 3%. Man, if Fubo got this news three months yeah. ago, they got the keys to the World Cup yeah. uh, streaming. Dude, that's a 50%er. Even at like $40, I think that would have sent it to 60 I completely agree. And so this is where, where we talk about the algorithms. You can say what you want about retail runs the market, but that's just not true. That's just not true. So we can see how algorithms really affect the market and how it's so vital to to understand and to feel when these algorithms aren't there, you got to really be cautious and quality over quantity. It just goes to show something like SFET or Vissel had fantastic news today. SFET had fantastic volume, relative volume, and uh, it still ended up only 15% up. Is there... The way you use volume to kind of check if it's going to be a good indicator for plays, yeah. do you just use previous plays or do you judge it by the volume it has? Yeah, so actually that's a, that's a really great question. It comes down to two things. One being relative volume. So today on this, I'm going to use, I'm going to continue to use SFET as an example. <laughs> Think how crazy this is, okay? This stock had six, almost 7,000% it's relative daily volume. Its daily average is 1.2 million shares traded. It did 84 million today. And the stock was in this small range all day. So it seemed like shares were just being traded for like a few cents. And, and that's what I'm saying is that, you know, when you see when there's algos that aren't going to run it up, you know, that's when that that's when you see something like SFET have 7,000 times the relative volume and go nowhere. And, and so the other thing that I'd like to use is, like I said, relative volume is uh, relative volume and it's the float and the volume. So what I mean by that is, you know, if something has a hundred million float, it's going to take a lot more shares churning and a lot more vol- volume churning to make that thing go parabolic than something with 10 million shares. So if we have one stock that has 100 million flow and another stock that has 50 million flow and each of them do 100 million in volume, we're going to see better movement out of the 50 million flow. 
Moving on from consolidation, uh, or volume, excuse me, going on to personality of a stock. I feel like as of right now, that is kind of out the window for most of them, man. Yep. These stocks don't have a personality that is the same every day. They are bipolar. They're crazy. They love you one day. They hate you the next. Sometimes they love you for 30 minutes. Sometimes they love you for five minutes. And then they're like, you know what? I hate you again. Are you looking for different aspects of the personality? Like this one is friends with this one. So it runs with this one. This one drops a lot with this one. We need to make sure we're keeping a close eye on that one. Yeah. So in this type of market, I'm rarely trading sympathies because it they're not because the main runner's not working. So something really has to run for me to even consider a sympathy. Which when we talk about personalities and stocks, it, in January it felt like you know one thing would run and anything inside the sector would run with it. So you have to really adapt with the market. And we still need to know the personality of stocks. And what I mean by that is that that quote, know what you own, really has to come into effect here. In January, when we were talking about personalities of stocks, it was, okay, if this runs, these 12 other stocks run with it. Now, not even that stock A is running. Because nothing's holding up. Yeah, nothing's holding up. So when we talk about personality stocks, I want to use it more like it's going to be... If this company has raised midday before, then I want to know that. And I don't want to, obviously, I don't want... Is someone fucking working out? Yeah. I'm going to close my door in a second. Okay. Uh, So I want to know that, you know, if they've dropped an offering midday before, so that I'm kind of staying away from those kind of stocks. Yeah. So with uh, so with personalities of stocks, do you kind of think like we'll see personalities return as one as it kind of returns to a normal market, or do you think we have to relearn personalities completely? Because obviously, personalities of stocks changes. Yep. Like w- the way I learned my first personality of a stock was Mark, and the way it worked was off of a tweet every day by the company. Uh, or every other day. And then eventually it broke out of this 35 to 40 cent range and went crazy. And that personality was out the window. Yeah. So is this just a situation where we have to relearn them? Yeah, no, we'll definitely not necessarily relearn them, but we'll have to adapt back. So if you guys remember- Get readjusted to their personality. Exactly. And, you know, I'll use the example of Mark. Mark used to tweet about this time every single day, you know, like you mentioned. Now, Mark rarely tweets. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, different things like uh, like WKEY was uh, WKEY was basically doing a press release every single day at 12 p.m. Now or, you know, noon, noon Eastern time. Now, that doesn't mean or, or what was it? One uh, that I don't believe that they'll continue to do that because at a certain point they're going to say, OK, the stock's actually dropping on us tweeting at noon every single day. So at a certain point, when they realize that the stock drops when they tweet, they're not going to continue tweeting. Um, you know, that WKEY that tweets every day, you know, they're going to stop tweeting. The management's going to say, yo, stop tweeting. You're literally making the stock drop. You know, it's the same kind of personality. It's just a different person. Uh, you know, there's going to be another stock in six months that, you know, starts to run because it tweets every day. And there's going to be another stock that, you know, is claiming to work with Amazon, if that kind of makes sense. 
Yeah, they're always just like feeding on the rumors. Just yeah. Because I mean, like Fisker was always, you know, hinting at Apple. I remember Henrik Fisker used to tweet like gifts of an apple. Like, all right, man. <laughs> like, yeah. And now, so and now he's, he's never, I mean, at least I don't see him on Twitter. He used to be inside my timeline like every day. Yeah. Peace, love, Fisker. So, yeah, I think, I think just like needing to know, like personalities change. Obviously, Sox personalities are going to change a lot, especially because one of the biggest parts about the personality of a stock is the price range, I feel like. Or maybe there's different types because I know you like to talk about the fundamental aspects of a personality of a stock. You know, this, uh, this company likes to drop offerings all the time. You yeah. Know? What is it? Tops or top or whatever? Yeah, I mean, you have a few. Yeah. Their their personality fundamentally is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's things like that where there are different types of personalities and different. You know, you don't you don't just look for if they're smart. You gotta see if they're funny. You gotta see their their timing. Yeah. If they're punctual. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's why when I'm starting to swing something, the management is so important because. If if I see low inside ownership, say the management's been there for, for a pretty long time, I see 1% management and I just see offering after offering and like no chance of revenue. You know, I'm never going to touch that stock. <laughs> this, this management's here to, you know, what, what do they do every year? You know, they, you know, I mean, you have some stocks where they put out a PR every year, um, you know, claiming to be working on, you know, blockchain and then the second that goes up, they drop an offering and there's their salary for the year. So that's, that's how I look at it. You know, low inside ownership, understanding the management, who they are. I feel like just whenever, if someone drops an offering and you're like, damn, that was scummy. You know, that's a scummy company. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, and this was, this is why like, I really like to dig into the company and look at the balance sheet because small caps are notoriously known for crappy balance sheets and, and rightfully so. Most of them have terrible balance sheets. But when you find those golden nuggets like the WTRHs and the rumbles where they ended up running into a pickle because of things that were outside of their control and it's one or UAVS, you know, and the thing runs a thousand, two thousand, three thousand percent. That's when it makes it worth it. I'm surprised UAVS didn't drop a offering in the middle of the uh, the yeah. broadcast where everyone thought they were announcing Amazon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I think it's really important to understand the management. Like, it's great that they went to a great school, but I, I, that means nothing to me. Great, like they're smart. <laughs> that that's almost like a downside, you know. They're smart enough to to create this rumor and then drop an offering. I mean, scumbag people are good at doing scumbag shit. Like, yeah, if you're if you can convince people that you're working with Amazon. And you're not, you can drop an You have that same personality as this person that's going to drop an offer yeah. right when everyone's thinking. Yeah. And that's why, you know, picking up on the few key things, ownership, you know, ownership of the insiders. For instance, UAVS, when we first started swinging it, they had 51%. Uh, they owned 51% of it between like three executives. And we were like, what? what is this? Like, what do they even do? Like, Ag Eagle? Like, why do they own so much of the company? You know, like this guy, the CEO who and the founder was pouring every cent that he had into the company. So it was like, you know, I mean, that that's a that's a great thing. But then when you look at something like Tops, it has 1% ownership. And you're like, okay, like, you, like, you know what you're doing. You don't believe. I mean, you can you can judge. All, I mean, their balance sheet is like 
a girl's Facebook account. If a stock is a girl, their balance sheet is like their Facebook account. You can realize like who their friends are. Yeah. They're hanging out with some scumbags. Yeah. If they got a picture with a different dude at Red Lobster every week, you know, you can kind of like get the gist of dude, it. Dude, Red they're, Lobster's they're, fancy. Exactly. I mean, but if she's with a different car every week, she's just using all her uh, cash. She's yeah. dropping offerings, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, you know, use all the tools of your advantage. The same way if you were going to, if you're, if you're looking up things about a girl you've been talking to on Tinder, you know, it's the same thing as a balance sheet is their company website. Their company website's dog shit, man. I'm not, you know, if a girl had yeah. updated her Facebook in 2016, I'm not just meeting her offline. It's probably a 40 year old man. Yeah. Yeah. So you may think it's a hot ass 22 year old blonde chick, but she's actually, she's actually a 45 year old fat man with glasses. <laughs> so, you know, always keep that in mind and moving on last, last of the, the four episode beginning that, you know, uh, I think it may have been our first really good episode. Um, well, besides personality dogs, but mentality. And I think it's super big here. Yeah, I mean, you have huge Januarys, Februarys. You have enough. You made your whole year salary at your last job in January and February. You lost a little bit of it in March and April. Why not take the rest of the year off? Mentality's going crazy right now. There's so many different thoughts going through people's heads. Should I play small? Should I play big? Is this the dip? How are we playing this? How are we keeping our heads level? Yeah, so there's a few things to really consider here. Is that, one, I think what we saw in January was that everyone was making money. And it was even tough for me because that's not that wasn't my kind of market that I excel in. Uh, so it was like you know, like I was seeing friends make you know crazy stupid money, and I was happy for them. But also this crazy same, stupid, yeah, crazy stupid. And, and I was happy for them, but at the same time, I was like, man, this is tough because I'm you know, I mean, they were five x in their accounts, and I'm like, you know, not doing dip over here. So, um, so in that relation, you know, that's one thing to really think about. But the other thing is that, and what we're seeing inside this market is that if you don't love trading, um, like, I mean, like have a passion for it, then right now you're probably, everyone's having a pretty tough time, but you're definitely having a tough time. And that's because, you know, you kind of dread coming to the desk a little bit and, you know, and you're not really loving, you know, it, like you're, you're excited to leave at four. Like every morning you wake up and you, you're like, do I even want to check this shit? Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's that's what I think is that we're seeing the difference right now is that January, it was like, all right, like I can I can do this because I'm 5Xing my account. Now that it's real work to to make money, you know, you're dreading it, then you probably don't love it. And and it's better to find that out now than when we go to a really tough market to trade in and it's impossible to trade in. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely tough, like deciding, hey, I need to take a break, especially if you're like addicted to it. Like there are people and I I don't use the word lightly. I mean, like actually addicted to it. I mean, it's hard not to trade. There's all many things is like if I had the access to do them completely on my phone at the full capabilities, like if I could play World of Warcraft from my phone in 2015 at its full capability, I mean, not 2015. In 2012, and it's full capabilities on my phone. I would have been, I would have never quit. Yeah. The accessibility of the market is everywhere. It's hard to not place another bet. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, and this is not the market for revenge trading no. at 
Oh. No. Especially if it's on the same stock. No. I actually checked my portfolio on an iPad in M&M's world in New York. Um, like the accessibility factor is everywhere. Um, so I, I think that that's really important. And I think that this is one of those times where, okay, FinTwit can be a great place and Twitter can be a great place when everyone's like, hoorah. And it can be a really crappy place or, or really like, like hard place mentally dude, yeah, when you're the only no one. Doubt. Yeah, dude. I feel like SOS two days ago, like on Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever day it was, was like the first time FinTwit's been united. There's so much. It seems like you're either with LTNC or without it right now. You know, it goes down a, a couple days in a row. No one talks about it. And it just seems like one of those things where it just seems like there's some kind of civil war in retail traders. And that's exactly the shit that, that Wall Street wants after they saw what we could do if we're all together on GameStop, AMC, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's definitely something to think about in like a greater sense of things. Like, what do you think the hedge funds want? Yeah. So Reddit I, and all of us to be friends. No, it, they want us to fucking hate each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, listen, being on that side, like, you know, like I've been inside that industry and I think it's really funny because I was actually talking to, to a trader that went from the hedge fund world to private and, um, and he's a fantastic guy. I was talking to him recently and what he was saying was that he always found the guys with the C-suite offices were actually way more humble and way nicer than the analyst that, you know, still felt like they had something to prove. And so I think that, that, that the common misconception or, or, you know, like everyone thinks like, okay, Wall Street's terrible and, and Wall Street is out to get the retail trader. And I think that that's because you look at like guys who, who are like lower level and they're like, you know, they're like, oh, like retail traders, like they don't really know what they're doing. But when you really get to like the higher end of the fund and those guys that are inside the C-suite, the guys that I've talked to think it's amazing. And they, they're for the empowerment and everybody, you know, a free market and everyone making money. And I, and, and it stinks that Wall Street gets such a bad rep because these guys really do, you know, inside the higher C-suite levels. And, and, you know, of course, not everybody, but on the lower end, but, you know, everyone that feels like they have something to prove, it feels like they're the ones voicing like the down with retail traders. But the guys that, you know, are on the higher level think it's awesome. I had talked to a guy, um, you know, he's a PM and, uh, and he made 17 million. He, he works for a VC, but he used to work for Agile. He made $17 million in one day for a bonus. And, uh, and I had just talked to him because he, he knew that I traded and he, uh, and his son started trading and he's like, to see my son, you know, have a passion about something, uh, I haven't seen except when, you know, he smokes weed. Um, so, you know, yeah, no, I think, I think it's definitely something It's like, my mom always brings yeah. up the fact whenever, you know, we talk about what I'm doing, she's always like, and, and you love what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you, you really care about it. You enjoy it. You're not working, you know, you're, you're doing a job, but you're not working. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. You know, we are doing some fun. This is the closest legalist and probably most controlled way to gamble on a daily basis. And, you know, it's super fun uh, being able to do this yeah. on a 
you know, day in and, and day out basis. Um, yeah. And so I think that while we're inside this market, because it feels like it's been so long since we've seen one of those like all day, like thousand percent runners, and it has been a long time. Um, and so I think one of the most important things is staying safe inside this market and the mentality. Um, one of, I know a fantastic trader, you know, I'm talking almost a seven figure trader. He's been really struggling with this market and he feels like he's just inside a slow bleed. And one of the things that I am trying to tell him and and really anybody out there struggling, because I have to remind myself, is that I'm going to drill it into your head, is that if you 5X your account and you're now down 20%, you are still killing it, okay? You're staying safe, okay? 20%, although it hurts, okay, you 5X your account, Okay. And even if you lost 20% of your account and you're not up on the year, yo, it's just the beginning of Q2. We have plenty of time left. So right now is not the time for you to feel like you're not going to be green. You know, if you're down on the year, this is not the time to start panicking about being red on the year. We have the time. And if you're complaining about having to pay taxes last year and you're down on the year right now, (laughs) You have no right. Yeah. And so if you are struggling right now, you need to do do us a favor and you need to wire out the money that you have to pay for taxes and you need to go inside the mirror and you need to tell yourself, yo, I'm a fucking great trader. Okay. I made 500,000. Or if you didn't make shit, then you need to look at yourself inside the mirror and say, if Hugh Henny and Dan can make money, I can sure as shit make money. And, and, you know, we'll be your scapegoats. You know, Dan and I, we, we don't care. You can, you can say whatever you want about us. So I think that, that, you know, it's really frustrating because you're like, how much longer can this last? But, and we go through this a few times a year. And so for newer traders that are just going through this for the first time, yo, just know you're going to go through this twice or three times a year. I go through a portfolio crisis at least twice a year. Dan, Dan's never, I don't think you've, you've been, I mean, you're a fantastic trader. I don't think you've really been through, uh, I mean, you went through a slow period, but I don't think you really went through like a crisis crisis, right? Yeah, I went through fucking March 2020. <laughs> Fuck you talking about, dude. I saw 30% of my account disappear. <laughs> okay. That was $2,000 at the time. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And so and so I think my point is, is that we all go through it and it's about really, you know, coming to the market every day and staying safe until we start to see really great runners. But at the same time, you know, you can get better during this market. This is the market where if you can make money, then when we get back to some real runners, you know, that's when you're going to be able to really kill it. So don't, it's, it can get really frustrating and it can get mentally difficult, but that's when, you know, we'll go back to the, I'm a bad, bad motherfucker. And you need to, no matter if you made money trading before, or you've only been bred, you know, you need to look at something and say, if Hugh Henny can make money, I can make money. You know, that guy doesn't spell right. He has terrible grammar and, uh, and he, he stupid. He's an idiot. Well, all right. I mean, I wasn't going to go out. He's ugly. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, he's got an eye twitch, you know, I think that, you know, we can go on and on, <laughs> but I want you guys to understand that everybody gets there and, and it's about staying safe until things come back. You know, you're going to get hot again. But you can't expect to foot on the pedal, 5X your account all the time. That's not the way the market works.
Metal to the pedal, yeah. baby. So, metal to the pedal. <laughs> so that's that's just, you know. All right, man. Well, obviously, we've got some flights to catch. So let's let the editors take this one Hell over. Yeah. The producers will have this episode clean and crisp for you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Shave your balls. Use PGIR on manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. That basically makes it free. Bye. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, you Would you buy your favorite stock for 20% cheaper oh. if it's, say, the same price? Dude, I would go all in. Yes. <laughs> You'd go all in. So buy five ball trimmers on manscaped.com. Sign up for Benzinga. And if we're sponsored by anyone else, do that too. Vinny, Christian, take it over. Okay, well, uh, thanks, Dan. Thanks, you. I hope you guys enjoyed Houston. We're recording this Sunday morning. Um, Christian, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Christian. I've been with the guys since December. Uh, it's been a pretty fun experience. I've just been helping out behind the scenes, doing video stuff, social media. Um, I'm in college at UNC Wilmington. And yeah, I just love being a part of the pod. Yeah, dude. Like he, Christian is quite insane how he approached us. It was totally out of the blue. He actually put together a resume and sent it to Dan and immediately Dan's like, holy shit, this guy means business. (laughs) And from there, it's just been quite a wild ride. I know that there's a lot of intro um, videos, hype videos that he's put together that have just really garnered a lot of attention and given our podcast a lot more viewers. So whenever you see those intro videos drop, it's typically Christian that makes them. Also, little snippet compilation of episodes one to four after we're done talking that I think you all should listen to that uh, Christian made. And it's basically just the best moments from those episodes. But if you do like those, but and you want to still hear episodes one to four, the full episodes, you can go back. And I actually uh, took time this weekend to remaster them and re-upload them. So just scroll down wherever you listen to your podcast, and those episodes will be updated with a bit better audio. Some of the microphones that Dan and you used during that time still weren't the best, but I tried my best to uh, produce it better than how I produced it when we first started off. So, yeah. yeah. And we, th- we think that compilation would be perfect for you to just take notes. If you don't want to sit there and listen to a couple hours worth of episodes, just listen to it. It's like 10 minutes and it's literally perfect. It's point by point, everything that they talked about. And it's really, yeah. really good information for you guys. Yeah. So Christian, how long have you been trading? <laughs> um, it's been about a year. I'm still obviously figuring things out. Um, being a part of this has helped a lot. And, you know, I was listening beforehand and I learned a lot from that. Um, still definitely getting into it, but learning slowly. What about you? Yeah, I have been doing it about the same. I'm a definitely a COVID trader, um, but <laughs> been learning from my mistakes. I just eclipsed um, PDT. I know a lot of people think that I'm probably in line with Dan and Hugh, but those guys are on a whole new level. I don't know how the hell they do it sometimes, but I know that if they can do it, like they said in this podcast, if they can do it, so can we. And I'm just going to keep at it until I get to their level. 
Definitely. Definitely. And shout out, shout out to Vinny, man. I know you guys here produced by Vinny Strokes at the beginning of every episode, but this man, he puts in work Wednesdays, Sundays, the amount of time he spends editing this podcast is insane. He had me help him with one of them. And I was just like, I was blown away by the amount of effort it takes to, you know, combine all the clips together, do all the audio. He, he does a lot of work along with the job he has. So definitely deserves all the credit he gets. Thanks, man. Incredible. Yeah, it's, of course. It, it was kind of funny how it all started off. Like Dan was in Atlas. Like we got to know each other over voice. That's how we kind of met. And I was just making some funny like photoshops and stuff. And then he approached me one day and, and asked for me to make, um, so he, ma- he asked me to make a song for him called higher low, which is a parody of higher love. It's still on the but, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It's still on our YouTube. I have it circulating somewhere. I could definitely repost it if somebody asked me. Um, but yeah, once he <laughs> once he saw that I could put together a crappy <laughs> a, a crappy song, he uh, he approached me later on and asked if I could um, if I've ever like done audio production for like a podcast or something. And I said no, but I can definitely learn, and I can tell by <laughs> listening back on some of the older episodes that just like Dan and Hugh have, I think I've. Um, I think I've gotten better at production. Definitely. So I think that's about all that we have because uh, we really just wanted to introduce ourselves. So you guys could recognize our voices for when in the future, Dan and Hugh probably interview us individually or together. Um, I'm sure in the next uh, season or two, this is the end of season three though. It's kind of crazy how many episodes we've made. I, I recently got an email from our, what do you call it? Host platform. Yeah. Our yeah. podcast host, host platform saying that we've uploaded 50 episodes. Now it says that we're on episode 36 on this one, but with all the midweeks and stuff, it equates to about 50 episodes. Wow. Now I'm, I'm not going to really truly celebrate until we hit five Oh, because I think that's a huge, huge milestone for full episodes. But Christian, you got anything else left to say? Yeah, I mean, just make sure you guys follow at PGIR pod on Twitter. Um, new episodes will be on there. Uh, just turn those post notifications on so you don't miss anything. And we're going to have a big announcement coming up this coming week. So just make sure you keep an eye on it and you guys won't want to miss it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that's all we have. I think we're going to uh, throw on that compilation that Christian and I made and yeah, get your notebooks out, pen and pen and paper. Get ready. Definitely. Definitely. All right, guys, Dan and Hugh and Christian and I will see you guys Wednesday. Peace. See ya. Okay. Welcome to Penny's going in raw with Dan and Hugh presented by no one. We want to hear about constellations. Like what is it? Like what comes from it? So tell it. Tell us about constellations, man. That's the name of the episode. We want to hear all about it. So according to Investopia.com, consolidation is the term for a stock or security that is neither continuing nor reversing a larger price trend. Consolidated stocks typically trade within limited price ranges and offer relatively few trading opportunities until another pattern merges. Dude, that makes no sense to me. The only thing that I understood 
was they typically trade within a limited price range. Yeah, it um, sounded like you're reading something. I was like, you don't know what half these words mean. Consolidation. What you want to do is you want to let the chart come down, create new support. You know, usually, usually I like to keep it within like a five percent range. I don't want it to be too, too, you know, jumpy on the chart. I want it to keep within a five percent range. So you know, say going between a dollar five and a dollar. The biggest thing is that you want to let the technicals catch up. Your moving averages, your VWAPs, EMAs, SMAs. You want all of that because that's how day traders trade. You add more whenever it breaks out of consolidation. I'll add when it breaks out of that range. So when it breaks, so say it's trading between the 170 to 175, when it breaks out of that 175 with good volume, that is when I'll add a- What is your stop loss or do you have one while it's in that 170 to 175? For me, the only way that I would have a stop loss is if volume completely dried up. That's, see, I either go down two paths. If there's volume, I'll just keep adding. If volume's starting to die off, that's when you gotta take, start taking some off. But if volume's there, volume predicts price action. The biggest thing is if you guys don't have, if you guys don't know how to read volume and price action, you need to. Consolidation is a fantastic thing. After a big move or a big, or after a big move up or down on the chart, I want to find consolidation. But that consolidation can quickly become, and I'm gonna say this a thousand times, the death line. And if you see the volume starting to become a downward trend, the volume bar is literally stair-stepping down, that is when you need to take some off because volume can come out of nowhere, but if it's around 11 a.m., the volume's only going to get worse. So that is when you need to be able to read price action and volume. That's so key. I think volume would be a great stock term of the week for next week. Pennies, pennies, pennies. Now for the real meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Uh, it's in your hair. It's in your music, and if it's loud, it can be in your marijuana. Volume. Q, what exactly is volume? Volume is the amount of shares traded in a time period. Most of the time we're talking about volume as the amount of shares traded in a day, but if you start to look at it, you know, you can do volume bars based on the amount of shares traded in an hour. You can do volume based on the amount of shares traded every minute. But for the most part, when we're talking about volume, we're talking about the amount of shares traded in a day. So that's what we'll use as our benchmark. If you don't take anything away from this podcast ever again, take this away. Volume is everything. When we're looking at a stock, the only thing that we want to see is volume bars, consistent, consistent, consistent. So if you guys don't have volume, volume bars on your charts, uh, I personally use think or swim, but you need to put volume charts on your platform ASAP. It needs to be there. You need to stop the podcast right now, pause it, and go put volume bars on. So relative volume is the amount of shares traded compared to the float. So something like BIOC that has over 100 million shares outstanding and has a, and has a float of over 100 million is going to take a lot more shares to move than something like Fran. Fran has 7 million shares, or BMRA has 7.8 million shares. So when we're looking at that, 1 million shares that BMRA bought is going to do a lot more to BMRA than it will to BIOC. That, that's so important because like, if you're not looking at, at the float and you're just looking at the the volume on it, I mean, you're, you're missing a good 
good percentage of it. Like I said, you need volume bars on your platform, but then you also need to benchmark that because again, you won't you won't know who cares if it trades a million shares in a day if you don't know what the benchmark is. So by having average volume, you can either do it by average volume per hour if you're more of like a scalper, or you do it by day. You can do it by you know intraday. So you can do something like first half of the morning versus second half of the morning. And what this is going to do is tell you, okay, this is seeing more volume and more pressure than normal. If you see huge volume bars, but the price isn't moving much, that's because somebody or a hedge fund, or it could even be the company is buying huge quantities of shares, but they don't want the price to move. There's multiple reasons that they could not want people to know that the price is moving. But usually it means that they're trying to gather as many shares as possible for a good reason. It's usually not a bad reason they're accumulating shares. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. So talking about trader psychology, uh, now that Hugh's done ranting, we can kind of go into the, men the mentality of being down on swings. Yeah, so I had to change my entire mindset when I started to swing trade. Yeah, I think, yeah, the, the whole entry point is so big. Yeah. I think like when people were talking about like, your, your mindset can totally change on just your entry. Yes, exactly. Entry point is huge. And also, I like I said, I expect to be down until the catalyst hits. One thing that The Rock always says is, I'm a bad, bad motherfucker. And that is something when, like, when I come in my chair, you know, everyone always asks, like, you know, what, what is your setup every morning? Like, how do you get ready? Blah, blah, Like, when, when, when you say come in your chair... <laughs> You mean like sit down? That's yes, when I get into my chair, Dan. All right, when I when I sit down in uh, my chair, at, you know, five a.m. or whatever it is, you know, I I like to say, you know, whatever's going on, I like to put on a bad bad motherfucker face. And uh, my friends and I that trade, you know, it's a little it's a little provocative, but you know, we always want to be the biggest swinging peen in the bar, and that's because I'll never be six foot eight. But if someone touches Mrs. Hugh. And he's six foot eight. I might get punched in the mouth, but he sure as hell isn't going to disrespect me. And that's because I'm the biggest swinging peen in the bar. So you're just confident, even though your swings are low as hell. Yes, because if not, it'll eat. It'll eat at you. You. I cannot think of a single person that enjoys losing money. But you have to see the end goal. You. You have to see the end goal. So you zoom out. Yeah, exactly. You have to zoom out and see, okay, I'm down 7%, but my upside here is 300%. So can I put on my bad, bad motherfucker face and can I handle this? And can I, you know, maybe, maybe get slapped around a little bit? You know, I see the PL get slapped around a little bit, but at the end of the, at the end of the catalyst that I'm waiting for, can I come out on top? Not just know what you own. Cause I feel like a lot of people just say, know what you yeah. own. Uh, but it's also having the confidence to know what you own and, and the patience to hold through it. I mean, it's more than just knowing what you own. You have to execute it as well. 90% yeah. of people lose money. So shouldn't yeah. you be doing the exact opposite of everyone, what everyone else is doing? There's no right way to yeah. trade. I mean, the, the right way is making money. As much as we you know, bad, bad motherfucker and everything. I have literally seen, you know, I've, I've kind of been, you know, around the industry for, for a few years and I've seen 
literal traders drive themselves nuts. And then you start revenge trading and then you're going, it's just not worth it. Take the hit, refocus. If it is, if you are going to lose sleep or you don't have a high tolerance for this or anything, it's okay. Don't, don't, don't lose sleep over it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to cut your losses and sometimes maybe just don't cut the whole loss, cut half of it. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. What what is a personality of a stock? How how do you explain that? Yeah, so I think the simplest way to put it is the personality of the stock is the way the stock moves based on management. So how does management, does management release a lot of fluff PRs and stuff? Or the way that the price action and chart is. If the management doesn't know what's going on with investors or management isn't trying to create the maximum value for the shareholders and update the shareholders, then the stock is never going to go anywhere. So that's the management side. But on the other hand, a big personality factor can be the chart and the price action as well. So the range of prices and is like the biggest personality thing I look at and also how I trade. Uh, And then if it breaks out of that, I kind of try and readjust it if I really like it. Hype alone can drive a stock up. And then if you create on, I usually do it on the 180 day chart where there's huge resistance and also huge support. Most of the time, if you're waiting on a catalyst, what you can do is, is that you can pick up the shares on support when there's hype and you know speculation that drives it up, it maybe cut a chunk towards that resistance. And if it bounces off that resistance really hard, then you know sell a bigger chunk and then just buy it back at your average, but still hold a chunk if the catalyst does come or if it does break that resistance. Once you, once you learn that price action personality and you know that that's what it kind of maxes out, selling half your shares. And even if you have a swing account, uh, this is what one of the first things I learned was making your swing account free. Uh, like just keep playing those pops until your swing account is already paid off in profits. Listen guys, when you go to, Dan, when you go to a bar, okay, and you see the next potential Mrs. Dippity, okay, at the bar, but you know, I mean, you know, she's all fine and stuff, and Uh you know, maybe she's giving you the look and stuff, but you don't know if she's crazy, Uh if, you know, she's already got a man, you know, you don't know anything. So what do you do, Dan? You watch her. You watch her. her. (laughs) No, 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 I meant on Facebook. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're seeing what she's doing, what she's drinking, because, you know, everyone knows that, you know, you can tell what a girl does, you know, based off what she drinks. But, you know, that, that's that's for a different day. That's for a different right. day. You're, that's for a different you, day. You also so, got to look at her friends. You got to, oh my God, you got to look at her friends. It's all about who you associate with. And that is the same with stocks. 